I am Brother Cornell West, and this is Hip Hop Can Save America. Peace and love, everybody. It's your man, Manny Faces. Just wanted to let you know that Hip Hop Can Save America is now available as a live stream show every Monday night, 9 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You can find it at hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Excerpts from that show will be played here on the audio feed, so you'll still get the good interviews that you've been used to. But check out the live stream and check out my free Substack newsletter at mannyfaces.substack.com. That's filled with all kinds of stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and generally hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. For everything hip-hop can save America, hiphopcansaveamerica.com. For everything Manny Faces, mannyfaces.com. And if you find value in this work, you can support it. We'd love to have you aboard as a supporter at patreon.com slash mannyfaces. Now let's go. The thing about hip-hop uh, today is it's smart. It's insightful. The, the way that they can communicate uh, a complex message in a very short space is, is remarkable. And a lot of these kids, they're not going to be reading the New York Times. That's not how they're getting their information. So hip hop didn't invent anything, but hip hop reinvented everything. Yes, yes, y'all. It's your man Manny Faces back with another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America live live crazy so if you've been a follower of the podcast for some time you know how i used to do it long sit down edited interviews with luminaries from fields like uh, education and artistry and the fine arts and mental health counseling and just a slew of professionals and uh, artistic and creatives who have been using hip-hop in wildly inventive and innovative ways in areas outside of entertainment so we talk about areas like education, science and technology, health and wellness, politics and social justice, the fine arts, spirituality, all these other, you know, plumbing. I can make a case for it. Entrepreneurialism. Hip hop can be used in all of these areas uh, in every aspect of society. And a hip hop mindset, a hip hop uh, ethos uh, authentically uh, introduced and participating can enhance that thing. So this show is the way to prove that. And I bring on people with the receipts, and then we talk about it, and we blow minds uh, all across the world. For the month of September, we're also doing this, live streams Monday through Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern. I decided that pandemic life wasn't complicated enough, and I would do this too. Uh, so I have a whole technological smorgasbord of things happening to try to make this work. Uh, I appreciate you for riding with me so far. We've done about six or seven of these. It's been wonderful. Uh, we've had Silent Night, uh, again, social justice, uh, sort of that theme, dialect, a playwright, an acclaimed playwright. We've had a Adam Seven uh, talking about a longevity as an independent artist. Uh, Dr. Marty Kaysen, uh, mathematics and how to teach teachers to use hip hop in the classroom to enhance education. And of course, the Newsbeat folks, we had legendary hip hop photographer Ernie Panicoli. Come on. What a great talk that was. Uh, so you can catch all of these things. Back on the, wherever you're watching me now, they're all there. And of course, do subscribe to the podcast. You'll get bonus episodes and of course, all the back catalog as it were. So that's that housekeeping. Yesterday's Newsbeat episode was long. 
So, and I'm editing it because I want to make sure that all the clips from our uh, Newsbeat podcast episodes are properly represented. And, you know, it's, it's just nice and cleaned up. So it didn't go up on a podcast feed. It's coming. I may do that as the Friday drop this, this week. It's a whole thing, but you'll get it. Uh, and then this will go up as well. So that all being said, when I started this show, I wanted to bring you sort of a, an enlightening piece of news every time we started and got together. Uh, I didn't do all that. Uh, up until now, because technology, we're finally kind of gotten into a good rhythm. The guest was nice and early. Everything's proper and lovely. Uh, so just a taste of what I was trying to do. This is an interesting piece of news. Next week on September 15th, Sotheby's. I feel like I should say the story like this. Sotheby's will have their first hip hop auction. So Sotheby's, of course, a very famous auction house uh, deals with big expense, high ticket items, big auctions, thousands and millions of dollars, artwork, you know, throughout the centuries, will actually be having a hip hop auction. And it'll include uh, some memorabilia from Tupac and Biggie. Uh, I believe the crown worn, as you see there in the in the famous photograph by Baron Claiborne, the crown that Biggie wore. I think there's also going to be some other artifacts from lesser known, but no less important individuals from hip hop history, including Andre Leroy Davis. Uh, who many will know was the illustrator for uh, the Source magazine. You turn to the back and be the last word. Uh, Andre Leroy Davis will be having some stuff represented there. And shouts to him. I just noticed as I was looking all this up that he is making hip hop flavored masks from some of his iconic illustration. So it's interesting. There's an article about it on artandobject.com about Tupac and Biggie memorabilia at Sotheby's first hip hop auction. I don't know how I feel about that. It's an interesting debate to have, like, you know, whenever we have, like, hip-hop kind of crossing over into these wildly capitalistic or, you know, just a whole nother range, what does that mean for the culture? Uh, it's interesting. Maybe we'll ask our guest what he thinks. Uh, and with that, one thing I want to tell you is that it, that's an interesting article about hip-hop that you may or may not find in hip-hop media outlets. Uh, we do have a really great newsletter that curates and puts out articles like this. So, again, innovative outside of the box, non-gossipy stuff, ways to look at hip-hop music and culture. And you can sign up for that newsletter at hiphopadvocacy.org. It's absolutely free. Comes out every now and then. I want to say every two weeks, but it, I don't. it's not every two weeks. But it should be, and maybe it will in the near future. Uh, so all that being said, housekeeping and a nice piece of interesting news, sort of as a plug for the newsletter. So moving along, as you can see by the Words on your screen and by the words on the podcast app, today's guest is Mikhail Amin. He will uh, be joining us in two seconds when I press the button. Now, he's our first returning guest, uh, season one, I guess, as it were, of this podcast. We talked to Mikhail. Uh, he has a long storied history himself as a teaching artist, uh, an artist, uh, you know, as well, and someone who kind of interestingly enough with the Sotheby's thing, which was random, I didn't make this connection, uh, but is has always kind of had, you know, sort of a foot inside the culture and inside institutions. We'll talk, I think, a little bit more about that, uh, but I'm very pleased and honored to have back for the second time, back like he never left, Mr. Mikhail Amin. How you doing, sir? Oh, my man, what's good? Forever fresh as well. How you doing, Manny? <laughs> That's what it is. Uh, good to see you. Uh, really good to see you. You know, we know each other in real life, and uh, we see so we run into each other often enough. Mm -hmm. I think. And of course, in the past few months, you no stalk me. Anybody. You, you follow me. You, you stalk me. But it's I okay. use binoculars now because <laughs> because social distancing. 
Uh, so it's good to see you. Yes, it's always, man. Always. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you're well. Thanks, man. And same to you and same to uh, uh, the wife and everyone else. So that being said, welcome back to Hip Hop to Save America. Thank you for, for doing this with me. Uh, we're live this month, so it's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I've, uh, I have I wanted to reach out to you to kind of catch up a little bit. Uh, you've always had, like I said, you know, little mini intro here, feet in several. It's like you have more than two feet because you got like seven feet in different directions uh, that have to do with intersection of hip hop and other areas, including education, including performing arts, including fine arts, including institutions. So please, uh, for the people, let them know how you present yourself to the world right now professionally. Name, rank and serial number. What's, <laughs> what's you do? Kind of on a day to day. Let me let me let me do the short TV. Let me try to do that one. Mikhail yeah. um, Amin. Um, yes, I I am a, a hip hop artist, educator, uh, curator, and uh, writer as as well. So, been in New York for the last twenty years, and uh, been in the New York City underground for for a long time. Uh, I got my start as a teaching artist in two thousand and six, and since then um, I. Uh, been the director of programming for Urban Warrior NYC. Most recently, I serve as one of the education managers at the Brooklyn Academy of Music. I'm also their uh, curator and um, co-curator with Baba Israel, Shasta Baba, um, yes. and producer for their hip hop and spoken word performance event, Word Sound Power. I also am a hip hop facilitator and researcher with Cyphers for Justice, um, which was originally housed out of Columbia University's Institute of Urban Minority Education, UMI for short and yeah i think that's it husband cat whisperer there's a lot of yeah well i was about to say like there's a lot of smart like you got to be smart to do a lot of that stuff you really got to be smart to do the last two yes uh, trust <laughs> um, i appreciate uh i appreciate that this is the world's smartest hip-hop podcast if you didn't know uh so it just lets us you know know the caliber of the, the folks that we talk to that 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 array of work where are you most active these days in general and i guess keeping coronavirus pandemic in mind that maybe we're not doing as many ancillary hustles that we might have had uh, underway before what do you spend most of your time on today well you know it, it's funny that you said that ironically enough um this pandemic actually has gotten me back to you know kind of getting back into my bag on some of the other things you know bams takes up so much of my my time i'm still creating music i just put out um a song covid 16 um, shout out to DJ Neo in Genoa, Italy. He asked me to do a, a piece and I've been working on the color challenge with, with my wife, Dale. But, you know, yeah, most of the time I'm, I'm usually at BAM working with young people with theater um, and, and poetry, uh, you know, running those programs. But actually, um, I've been sitting in my apartment and teaching. I've been having mm -hmm. private lessons with students as well as uh, working with some 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 friends of mine's organization, shouts to uh, Urban Explorers and Raquel Azimon, um, who brought me in a couple of weeks ago. I'll be working with Queens College, so I've been actually doing more teaching, mm. um, kind of getting back to really. That's like my 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 first love, honestly. Right. Um, you know, more so than than sitting at the desk. I love being you know with young people, working with young people. If I'm not on the stage, I'd rather be. Um, in the classroom. Those are the two places that I feel the most comfortable and I feel like I, I do the best work. What, when you say teaching, give me some idea of what kind of uh, stuff you guys are uh, working on together. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, and, it, and it runs the range. I, I teach a, a myriad of different things, but right now I was working with young people um, with hip hop history. Um, they were creating music 
and documentary films and visual art, um, kind of addressing some of the the issues that these young people are facing directly right now. Mm. And along with Baba Israel, who was the, the main instructor, I was just a guest artist that that, that came in. Um, but I was asked to kind of speak to them a little bit about like the the, the power of hip hop and its ability as a as a vehicle and sort of a megaphone to amplify a lot of the issues that, um, you know, that are happening on a day to day and how hip hop's role has always been um, that in some way, shape, form or fashion, even when it was really about the jam, about the party, about doing all of those things. And then I also have been doing um, private freestyle and rhyme writing lessons. So I've been working with, some young people that have been wanting to 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 basically learn the craft of, of rhyme writing and um, develop freestyle skills. So I've been I've been teaching that most recently. And I'll go into Queens College and work with the students with uh, the YPAR Youth Participatory Action Research that they'll be doing um, and doing some similar things like that, helping them craft songs, helping them craft stories from sort of like a hip hop um, aesthetic and feel. And that's mostly what I, I'm usually teaching. Anything around sort of the craft of hip hop, the history of hip hop, yeah. uh, the story of hip hop. Well, and again, it's, it's always intersected because it's always through performance or through, you know, writing or through being creative. Uh, it's interesting. The first part, obviously, we've had uh, Silent Night on here. Uh, I've talked to the, yesterday's episode uh, was with the Newsbeat podcast crew, my guys. Uh, and of course, we use hip hop to amplify social justice issues from a journalism point of view, hmm. uh, both musically and original lyrics. Uh, and, and, and sort of that storytelling aspect of, of hip hop. When you say you're teaching uh, young people and you have this idea that hip hop has always, like you said, even when it's been about the party, always had that. There's a lot of people that feel like that doesn't exist anymore as much as it did. Um, certainly on the radio, sort of the mainstream corporate controlled stuff. But I, I like to remind them that, you know, the power wasn't always in movements, wasn't always on TV. <laughs> the, the revolution was not always televised. Still ain't. Uh, right. <laughs> Still ain't. Right. Uh, it's what's happening on the streets. It's what's happening on a sort of more intimate level, uh, grassroots stuff. And with that, the stuff you talk about right there, Hip hop still does that in leaps and bounds. You'd agree? Absolutely. Well, and this is, and, and you know, you and I always have this conversation when we get more than five minutes to, to catch up. Yeah. And, and, you know, from my vantage point, the way I look at it is this, I think it's impact. And I think the thing that is confusing for individuals now is because I, I do, I will say this, um, in some ways, corporate America won. They kind of got the body shell of hip hop. They didn't really get the spirit, the heart and the soul of it, right. but they definitely figured out how to dress it up, um, do sort of a doppelganger thing and make you feel as if, you know, your your fave is doing some like powerful, impactful thing. When really, right. if you really kind of get behind the nuts and bolts of it, um, they're not really making these institutions uncomfortable. They're not making the status quo uncomfortable. Um, they're actually helping cloak them to kind of keep things at the status quo. But, you know, at our level, at your level, um, you know, what's really the impact is felt because young people are coming up with new and better solutions um, because they're having this critical eye. And a, a paper that I'm actually getting published um, in December around my practice as a hip hop artist um, in research spaces kind of discusses this and talking about, you know, how's decided the concept of critical hip hop pedagogy, but really looking at it from the standpoint of the practice, creating actual hip hop art, um, using the forms and in that process, developing critical thinking, um, strengthening those things. What you, what you find is when young people are sort of immersed and engaging 
um, in telling their story and looking at their reality through this sort of critical lens that hip hop is just naturally about. You you see things that emerge. You see a um, an appetite to be more active in community, an appetite to find solutions that are not being really, really, really discussed or or, or really followed by, you know, maybe some people around my age or a little older or that have bigger titles are not doing. Because what we really understand is, is that everything that's going on right now is as intended. The way the pandemic is being dealt with as intended. The way your elect- your electoral politics work as intended. It's not going to change because we're actually really not making ourselves individually and collectively uncomfortable enough to really think about something different. What we want to do is we want an alternative version of it. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like saying, you know, we're eating ice cream and I, I want to, I want a new dessert and, you know, it's vanilla ice cream, but I want something different. So then instead of just going and getting a piece of apple pie, we're like, well, you know what? We'll put some sprinkles on it. Now it's different. No, no, no. I'm still eating <laughs> vanilla ice cream. Still ice cream. <laughs> right. Um, ice cream is the problem. Damn it. Yeah. Right. right. Uh, but 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 I, I think hip hop at its core, at its spirit, it is always one gone against the status quo without question. Right. Um, it has always been um, counterculture. It has always been anti-establishment, anti-mainstream. And this is a little bit what I kind of talked to about with young people. And I won't say, I should say it wasn't teaching them. It's more like showing them because they're already there. But, you know, if you're 16, 17 years old, you were not around in 1973. (laughs) You weren't around in 1982. And what I I always talk about is this idea of a continuum. Whereas what you're feeling and experiencing as a young person, you know what? It's not too different, not far off from what people in, when um, they were 16 and 17, 30, 40 years ago. Right. And what they did was that they created this thing. They created this ability to come together. They created this ability to be seen and heard and felt on a scale that could not be denied, that could not be ignored. Right. Um, and the power was evident in that. So I talked to them a little bit about that. So when you think about it from that standpoint, from a political standpoint, and, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know. There's more for the people in the back yeah. and the people on the stream. Yeah. But when you consider that a place like the South Bronx, which is still one of the poorest districts in the continental United States, and you had individuals and young people who had zero resources afforded to them, whether in public schools, whether in their local neighborhoods, everything possible that could have been taken away from them was. And what they did was is they innovated, they adapt, they created, they manifested. Now, they didn't have to have a slogan. They didn't have to have a picket line. They didn't have to come up with some organizational drive. It's political and of themselves as they were able to assert their identity and their reality and their existence in their own way and being. That, in a lot of ways, is the true essence, spirit, and core of what hip-hop is about. The right. Adapt, innovate, change, create, manifest, and speak truth to power and speak it loudly and speak it aggressively. And I think that is something when you put that, when you think about that and you put that up against, say, someone like Kanye West, um, you put that up against someone, um, you know, say like Vance Jones, um, Candace Owens, you realize like that's not really doing anything but maintaining this status quo bubble. Mm-hmm. Y'all just talking mm-hmm. in the same circles in the same way, space or shape. But because we have so much, so many of us that are so busy, listen, you got a large family, you have, you know, a full-time job, 
<laughs> right? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, you know, brilliant and you know, entrepreneurial pursuits on top of the full-time job. You know, you kind of like to have a personal life. When when can you have time to really sit down, think, recharge, reflect, move forward? And and to your credit, you clearly do because you're you're continuing to grow, you're continuing to build. Um, you know, you're 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 an amazing individual. But it's really difficult for, for, for most of us on a day to day to really get to that point. So what are we going to do? We're going to take the thing that's going to be the least resistance. We're going to put faith and hope that people above us and that are outside of us are looking out for us. Right. And it's difficult to accept when they're failing. And that's what we're seeing right now. I think if, if, if the pandemic did nothing else, aside from put so many of us through some horrendous suffering um, and, and really sort of made things very, very difficult for, for a large swath of us. What I think it did do, though, is it, it, it ripped the mask off a little bit. I think it's a little bit harder now, um, post-COVID, to really ignore that there's something deeply wrong with our country, um, fundamentally so, at an institutional level, at a foundational level. It's, right. it's very hard to ignore that any longer. You can't really have a conversation that doesn't start with that fact, That's true. right? Um, but something like hip hop has always been talking about these things. How do we treat workers? How right. do we treat young people? Right. The messed up education system. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. you know, criminal justice. Criminal justice. <laughs> you know, you and I again. You know, we we talk about this all the time. It's like right. y'all late. Hip hop right. did here. Y'all late. Right. Thanks for right. showing up. We've been sitting right. here with a cup of coffee, chilling out, had a Danish. You know. Yeah. Talked about the local news. Thanks for showing up. You're about, hmm, I don't know, a couple <laughs> decades behind. But that's cool right. you showed up. Thank right. you. Now, maybe pay attention to the things we're talking about now, which is the next thing that you got to catch up to because we're doing that, too. You know, we're very <laughs> much we're futurism in hip hop. You know what I mean? We're already on, you know, figuring out the next the next things and trying to solve the problems. Um, that's an amazing way to look at it. And it's you encapsulate so much of what I try to you know say sometimes um, that not everything, you know, hip hop glitters is gold you know that celebrity influence may be nice but isn't the end all be all shouldn't be looked at as uh, necessarily the uh, spokespeople for the rest of the the culture or the movements or the activities that are being done a lot of that is is there too and and again to dismiss the younger people who are uh, again part of this movement when you look at how social media has you know become part of how information or misinformation gets sent around uh the fact that there's a black twitter in twitter uh, it, you know like a lot of these things happen sort of from a hip-hop ethos that are still like you say hacking and, and breaking and, and inventing and being innovative within the systems and structures that we have so when i look at all that and i say well there's really no better group of people that are equipped any better to figure out how to fix these giant problems and and correct these institutional you know systemic problems yeah and, and i and i and i i think what people should also remember and realize too you know not not to try to you know take any more or less credit than than what is deserved but i think people should realize and note things like black twitter things like social media in general and and that's a whole other conversation because i i do have some critiques about the digital space. Sure. But there's plenty to critique. There's plenty to critique. But 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 to your point, the individuals that we we see that have really kind of taken a hold of that medium in these tools and repurposed them, refashioned them in a way that could be beneficial, it's the hip hop generation. 
it's those of us born in the mid 70s through the early to mid 80s that have the ability to adapt the ability to have the language of the past but right. also have the understanding and the ability to kind of utilize what's next what's new what's now and yeah. repurpose it that yeah. those are the things that we're talking about like that the the, the spirit of hip-hop right you know because there's there's the practical and I, I definitely fall in that realm of like the practical the craft of it um right. the power of those things but also if you like you said when we talk about the culture and the spirit and the ethos it's those types of things that, that the people are discussing and what what matters when we talk about and we danced around this a couple times already uh getting here but uh when we talk about sort of bringing that hip-hop spirit ethos great word for it um that i love to use all the time now uh <laughs> shouts to craig arthur i think he was the co-author of a paper and it's, it's breaking down hip-hop as ethos mm. and i hope i got it right um it's a great paper I'll, I'll share it uh but bringing it into institutions that you're not trying to necessarily break the system you're not necessarily trying to you know, tear it inside out. You're trying to adapt to it or bring it into under these uh, roofs. I talk about the necessity for hip hop to be uh, serious hip hop programming to exist in museums and libraries. Uh, I think that, you know, so these these age old institutions that that exist to give the wealth of knowledge to the people that you can't not include something as large and influential and, you know, awesome as hip hop. Uh, your, your work with BAM, bringing it into BAM. We, I think when we first talked on the on the show, you were still early in the BAM career, I think. I, I have to go back and listen. Um, yeah, I was. What does your work at, at the great Brooklyn Academy of Music consist of? And, and how have you navigated and found ways to uh, bring that hip-hop sensibility? How open have they been to it? What have you been able to accomplish? What oh, for doing? sure. And, and and let me. I, I do want to say before before again, just a just a just a quick note, just to under to, to kind of like. Yeah, yeah. Understand where 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 my orientation comes from. I, I personally am someone I think that that is open to willing and wanting to see these kind of larger structures sort of um, not be adapted, but but sort of dissipate. Um, I, I think I think in a lot of ways they've outlived their usefulness. Um, sure. I think that structurally they're not really designed really ever to be truly inclusive. With that said, though. I will say this, and this and this is what I'll talk about with with in respect specifically to BAM, but could be talking about every institution. Right. They're here now. For all intents and purposes, they're not going away. Two things. There's a vast amount of resources that they have at their disposal right. that they're willing to utilize. Right. And more importantly, they're gonna do what they're gonna do anyway. <laughs> so right. I see myself, fortunately. Um, we'll see after the people see this this podcast. I might not, <laughs> I might not be anywhere. I might be back in the street. But I, I, I mean, like I've been saying this for yeah. I I I definitely be nibbling at the toe, the the the, the fingernails sometimes. But right, right. but 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 in all intents and and I've and I've had this discussion with with um with my with my directors and and, and executives and they, and they know where I stand. I I position myself as someone. It's like if you're if you're going to represent the culture and i'm not the only one there's many other people that i know and see and and feel and respect in, inside these places that are culture bearers not specifically at bam but in other places sure. where it's you gonna do it anyway right right let me at least be in there to make sure that it's done respectfully that it's done properly that it's done right. legitimately um Both and at the same time that. exactly and at the same time um you know 
taking advantage of the resources that they have at their disposal that they're that they're going to, to utilize anyway. So with all of that said, I, I've been fortunate. I, I have a pretty I have a pretty free reign. I don't want to call it free reign because I definitely have to answer to, to, to folks. And sure. I definitely take into consideration, you know, my VP Charles Coco Killingsworth and um our, our director of education, Stephen McIntosh and associate director Ava McKenzie, um, or Ava Kinsey. They, they, um, they absolutely, you know, they're in the conversation. I, I definitely am not just like running around and just doing stuff. Um, but they respect and trust my expertise, um, and my experience and where I'm positioned. So I say all that to say I'm able to bring in authentic voices. I'm able to liaise, not have, not have, yeah, not have their messages censored. Um, when, when someone like Timothy Dwight can unedited call out white supremacy and gentrification in his piece to a largely white audience. And when some of those, that audience responds back to BAM upset by this, what do we do? We double down. Um, you know, he was able to go back out and then actually put a whole new section part into his piece, mm. specifically addressing that individual. Yeah. Um, you know, not by name, you know, but the but the the, the situation and the circumstance. Right. So, the you know, behind it. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, it's yeah. so 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 from that standpoint, what I what I will give credit to bad miss is that they understand what is necessary and required if it's going to be hip hop, at least within the department that I work in and have been fortunate enough um, to inherit the platform. And I know that that work really is because of um, a couple of individuals in particular, and most specifically, Dr. John Foster, who was my predecessor, um, who who came before me and really laid all of that out. I mean, I definitely have my battles to fight still, um, but he fought the wars and won. So, and so I'm, I'm benefiting. I'm benefiting from the wars he's won. So, so speak about it from uh, a more holistic view of the of these of this concept, right? So we'll come back to Bam specifically, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But when you look at what is happening at Bam again, what you've seen happen before, the paved the way, got in, what you have to put up with, how accommodating they are. You're saying it's a good situation. Bam is good. They do it all right. I'm sure you've seen other institutions around the the, the globe because you're a global guy, where. Although outside of the U.S., we probably have better uh, examples than inside the U.S. as well, probably. Just generally speaking, holistically, mm. where do institutions fail? Uh, you mentioned a little bit the authenticity, bringing in the authentic voices. I yeah. guess, you know, the ivory tower syndrome. But where do institutions, whether it be academic, uh, cultural, uh, you know, um, where where do they where, where do they a, fail? Yeah, where does the director of these things who want because it's all about inclusivity and diver, you know diverse now you know we mm-hmm. have and belonging we have to make sure everyone's included and what what do you say? What's your thoughts on that? In general? I, you know, I, I'll be I'll be very I'll be very frank. You know I'm where sure you where I <laughs> where most of we you know what I mean. I don't know why I always do the precursor, but you know if you, if you know me anything, I'm, I'm about to, I'm an Aries. I'm like here it comes, but. Uh, yeah, where 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 I see them consistently failing, and in 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 my biased view, I I think that they fail way worse and more often outside of the United States and inside okay. of the United States, outside of the United States as a part like Europe, Asia, 
they've they've done a lot better with these things, in my personal opinion, actually than the United States. We're we're right. horrible. We're behind them. Right. Okay. It well, I've only that. been to Europe, so maybe that's why I got that yeah, yeah. My, that skewed view. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. They. They. I mean, they. They. Shouts to the Hip Hop Culture Center in Paris. Shouts yeah. to you know yeah, yeah. Dortmund University, Dortmund U in, in, right. in Germany. Yeah. Um. You know, Rotterdam's amazing stuff uh, yeah. going all over in, in, in Rotterdam and Amsterdam, but where they fail, yeah, is, is really that that the authenticity they don't bring. You know, shouts to shouts to a to a, a, a good friend and associate Rockefeller. Um, she talks about this all the time. Anytime yes. anyone will listen to her, um, you know, or quick step, um, full circle crew in effect. Um, they never look at the artists and the culture bearers as experts. Right. We're 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 the aside. We're the addendum to what they want to do. Right. So what ends up happening? The sprinkles on the ice cream. E- exactly. <laughs> so so where they almost always fail is is that when they bring us into a museum, into an academic space, into an institution, they don't give us the full four power and scope um, that should be afforded in order to right. make that exhibit happen, to make that event happen, to produce that program. You know, we're we at best most of the time we're consultants. Like, no, what you what you probably should do is give us a budget, give us a title, and run the thing. Yeah. The the the, the difficulty with that always is though is, is that again, when you start getting into truth seeking and truth telling, then you might tell in yourself. Institutions usually in size are not really prepared. You know, I, I I've I've told people this inside and outside of band, like you, you know with. And this is this is not a direct anything towards man. This is just how this is the size of anything we see it with our sure. our government. But moving institutions is like trying to move an ocean liner with a canoe or into a new <laughs> direction. It's right. just there's just t- so many moving parts. There's so many um, agendas. There's so many constituents. There's so many concerns. There's so many people that have to 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 have a say, be a part, have to be fed, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um th- but right is right. Okay. Um if 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 something is is damaging, if it's limiting to anyone or 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 or, or everyone, then it needs to just go back to the drawing board. Institutions are just collectively not designed to move swift enough to to really do that. So in the case of hip hop, you know and this is something, and this is this is kind of a shot across the bow to some of the older heads, not mm. the legends, but like just old, like you know, I'm 43, so like there's a lot of cats, and I definitely have a little bit of the get off my lawn in me sometimes too. But like, if we're really about this hip hop, y'all, that we know, hip hop is always trying to come up with the new next thing. It is right. always pushing to the left of center. It is always right. trying to do the thing that's out the box and different. Right. So oftentimes. The ones that have the biggest problem with, with say, the current generation or the newer generation is like, yeah, you got old, but right? and you forgot what hip hop actually is. What you, what I see a lot of times, older heads, they kind of got caught up into the commercial hype too. It's like hip hop wasn't about the radio, right? Hip hop wasn't about <laughs> being the star. Y'all know this. Y'all know this. Y'all are from that era. Y'all know this. So why are you now mad? Because people are looking to do things different and right. be different. You knew that, that was the whole thing. Be original. That right. was the whole thing. I often say, I said, you, you try to put something in a box that inherently is not supposed to be in a box. Let it be outside well, the box. Right. Well, and, and unfortunately, I think, you know, if you if you know a little bit about like anthropology or if you study it a little bit, you do know that it, 
with any form, um, at some point it calcifies, right? And mm. I think I think that's the weird thing, and that's going to be the test case, honestly, for hip hop. Yeah, you think about it. You look at rock, you look at jazz, sure. Uh, you look at blues. You know, at some point, once they become commodified and once they become accepted, because there is a positive to that. There is a positive yeah. to that. But you realize, like the innovation, the expression those things begin to become sort of stagnant because of that. Because, well, now it's like, well, if everybody's doing it and you can right. get it on the radio as opposed to going to the juke joint. Yeah, but, but hip-hop is more than just a genre. You know what I mean? Well, That's what's exactly. just saving grace because it has everything behind it and there's, it maybe the, it could break out of the calcification a little bit or, you know, to use your... Yeah, well, and that's the test case. and and, yeah. I, and I, Because there hasn't been, and, and I've been talking to, to I mean... I talked with Radar Ellis, dope DJ, uh, Professor Shouts. Berkeley. Yep. You know, yeah, Baxter Words, um, dope uh, uh, artist, MC, uh, host of, of numerous things, including EO Dub and the Poll will be televised all the time. We talk all the time. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we always talk about is sort of like, what's after hip hop? Because nothing's been invented. Nothing genuinely different and new right from a music standpoint at the very we'll start with say music everything is now just sort of like a, a variation on this idea of hip-hop right um uh, grandmaster cast says uh hip-hop didn't invent anything but hip-hop reinvented everything, everything. <laughs> and that's it it's nothing now there's like and especially in music and the things pop culture that doesn't have hip hop DNA in it. Yeah. Shout Which of to, course has DNA. Yeah, of course. It, shout, yeah. By the way, quick edit, I'm glad you brought up shout out to Kaz too. Kaz was a I I got the 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 the, the pleasure about a few weeks ago to sit down mm. and interview him. Um, oh nice for the young people. That brother is I mean as real as they come, man. Yeah, as yeah, real, yeah. As real as they come, man. Yeah, and yeah, um, you know, we, we we talk about you know the elders, the the elder spokes folk of the of the music and the culture still around, and get them, you know, get them while you can, man. And it's, real. it's really valuable to do that. Um, again, Ernie Panicoli on here the other day was just a great, you know, and I've talked to Joe Conzo before, just from the photographer, the you know visual capturing of the culture. Um, it was a, it was an amazing talk, I, and I, you geek out a little bit. Yeah, the giants. Giants yeah. among us walking around. You're like, Word up. yeah. Well, your philosophy, your philosophical look at all this is really enlightening. I, I love having these conversations. And of course, they are like, you know, I feel like we should be sitting on the lawn of some institution at Oxford <laughs> having these philosophical discussions about uh, what happens after hip hop is hip hop, hip hop, you know, uh, you know. Um, but again, I think that's what makes the culture so just so beautiful it's so adaptable it is so flexible and can encompass so many things uh i don't want to get into the what's going to happen after hip-hop i have and no clue man listen <laughs> i have um, no and idea it, and it may just be iterations upon you know iterations ad infinite um, well, you know what sometimes too i mean I, I i said this to people as well i think i, I might be too old right it might it might already be it might already be happening already and and i'm just too i'm just not in that in that space, I'm I, sure I said that too. I yeah. like, there might be some kid laughing somewhere, like look at these old dudes talking about <laughs> we done right. y'all we late. I you think know what I, I mean? I, so, look, I think that I, I I'm not that guy. You know what I mean? I think what the young younger folks, younger artists are doing is incredibly innovative, incredibly progressive. 
just you know twisting genres genre bending and doing all things you could talk about it from a music you know musical standpoint is it authentic is it traditional is it purist is it you know is it even rap anymore when there's kind of sing song and all these things that people have these discussions about um but again it comes back to sort of that that ethos that uh that spirit of innovation and experimentation and going against the grain uh which i think really does lead to solutions way more than it leads to problems yeah absolutely and and, I, and again i think when you think about hip-hop from its from its uh from its purest sense, that's literally what it is. It's it's a solution seeker. It's, it's it, it it looks at situations, it looks at circumstances, um, it identifies, it calls it out, and then it figures out a way around it, through it, yeah. um, ways to change it on its terms. And right. I think that's exactly why it had to be commodified the quickest, probably, and why it was very much so had to have a commercial doppelganger. That's why yeah, politicians had to latch on to it. Why, why, why corporate had, because it's, right. oh my God, there's this thing that's super sexy, super attractive. <laughs> right. Everyone wants to be part of it down. We better it. control it. Yeah. It can, we better. And, and it, it, it inspires people to do this and that. And, you know, this person says that they want to be down with it and on it, but we can't let this run around with it. We got to get our piece yeah. in it. We got to have our version of it. Um, there's a there's a great there's a great novel um, called Mumbo Jumbo, and uh, Ishbel Reed is the author. And in it, there's a, a an individual basically the Knights Templar. Really quick, and what they do is is that they realize that there is this um, Yoruba priest Papa Legba that has the ability to really like galvanize the community, not through mm. any type of magic or anything, but just because he's speaking the truth. Yeah, and they're trying to corrupt all of these black young people in Harlem in this in this novel. And what the Knights Templar realizes is like, well, what we need is a doppelganger. We need we need a black Machina. So we they created a a doppelganger. They created a black face that looked and talked the jive. Yeah, yeah. But said the things that they wanted um, him to say. And you and it's so funny because it's a fiction novel that Ishmael wrote. 40 something years ago but then you see it now right. you see it in candace owens right you see it in kanye kanye owens. west i was about to say that's yeah that's really interesting you know yeah. what i'm saying you see these individuals that are that are basically puppets for this like larger mainstream thing right. that have been stamped they're, they're let me ask you official. are they are they willing puppets or are they unwilling puppets you know i i'll be honest with you i think i think my biased says they are i think though my logical rational brain goes i don't know these people yeah i don't know they're personal and it, i think this, this is the danger about the digital world we think we know everyone we sure. think that what what people show us on a screen yeah what they put in their feed that's yep. them yeah and they don't realize like that's a curation sure that's a piece and a part and they're able to construct what you want what they want you to see Right. We don't know what this person is going. Right. You think I'm drinking coffee? Day. I ain't drinking coffee. Right. No. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm just hey. saying. Don't discriminate yourself. Um, you know what I mean? Hey, listen. Go ahead. Uh, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But you know, so 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 it's like there, there's definitely been part of me like they know he's. And then I'm, then I'm like, well, and it's funny too because I when I when I saw the news about Kanye basically being on very very strong psychotic medic medications sure. and him not willingly taking them. Right. 
and that coming out. And that's been something that the internet had long been talking about and saying that was the case. And like, well, right. you know what? I'm 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 definitely kind of like one of those people who are like, I need proof. I don't believe you. You're saying that, and right. I'm I'm down to be wrong later. But sure. you just saying it, you need to show it to me. I need to I need to, I need you I need the facts and the evidence. Don't just say right. something's happening and I'm supposed to take your word on it. Because I don't expect people to take my word on anything. Sure. If if I'm saying something, well, here's the book. Here's the author. Here's the here's the authority. Here's the expert. Here's the right. data. Right. So so I'm just multiple not, sources. I need yes, to you know, and I like, come to a critical thinking uh, conclusion. Everything else is opinion and conjecture in right. my in my opinion. So like, right. give me give me the thing. So when I saw that, I was like, okay, so you know what? How how balanced is Kanye? Right. Like really, how balanced is he? And that's and that's that's out of concern for the brother. Not like one hundred percent. It's I, like that's real, right? So I, the I empath- the empathetic side got to come out at some point and say, yeah. yeah, it's damaging. Yeah, it's you know, there's so many things wrong with it. But if there is legitimately something wrong with, not say him, anybody, yeah, the and, president, and, you yeah, know, but, there's something like, in your and head. Let's be, and let's be clear. I can I can empathize and sympathize with whatever is going on in his personal life, and also still say he needs to sit down. 100%. Someone needs to go put him somewhere. hundred percent. Definitely not following this dude, and definitely what he's <laughs> saying is not good and dangerous. With so, he that said, so he doesn't have your vote. He I'm definitely guessing. don't got my vote. But, <laughs> but but with that said, you know, and this is, and I think we're I think we're in a moment now. We've been in this moment where like people really have to understand what it means to be critical thinkers how to take information and really think about the totality of a situation in the circumstance and realizing like, you know what? Mm -hmm. You can chew bubble gum and walk too. So Mm -hmm. there's always, not always, I won't say always, but more than likely than not, it's not either or. It's and. Right. The truth is somewhere in the middle or or some of the parts. Yeah. And and that's where we're kind of at in this country. We're so polarized. It's either this or this. And it's like, it's almost never that. It's right. usually, and, and there's usually a reason why it is so whatever it seems, what yeah. extreme or crazy or whatever have you. But we're not in the space right now as a, as a, as a, as a nation, as, as human beings, honestly, on a mass scale to yeah. be able to hold a lot of different things and, and have it make sense. It only makes sense if it's, hey, it's this. Yeah. It's, it's this rock. It's only this. Right. Oh, actually um you know it's a little bit more than that and and, yeah. I, and I think and critical I think, thinking uh, uh uh not to cut you off uh, critical thinking um media uh what's the word i'm looking for uh i should actually have more coffee perhaps um media literacy media literacy is you yes. know these things are very important i think hip-hop can help teach these things I, you know we talk about critical thinking uh you know we know that hip-hop can be used in classrooms to teach sort of rote memorization uh you know subject matter things but there's something to that artistic uh creative lens that you can look through things and that maybe helps expand your mindset out of those polarized uh positions yeah well this is the, this is the beauty of it absolutely and, and that's the root of critical hip-hop pedagogy that's what essentially right. um akam was talking about when he was talking about critical hip-hop pedagogy it's because hip-hop comes primarily from marginalized and disenfranchised communities by looking at its content you can reveal things around misogyny racism homophobia classism Mm. 
all of the isms that are the social ills of our day and time through looking at the work, the product, the, the, the lifestyle. And from there, you can kind of extrapolate these things to take a deeper and closer look at the who's, mm-hmm. the what's, the why's, the how's, and the when's. Mm-hmm. So that's critical hip-hop pedagogy at a, the, the 101 yeah. definition of it. Yeah. For the work that I do and the work that YPAR does, we're taking that in a slightly different direction. Um, and Doctor, and you, one of your one of your uh, former uh, guests on this show, Doctor Patina Love, takes it another slight step further, closer to where I'm taking it. Where it's just like, yes, hip hop is powerful for that, but there's also something to be said in the practice of it as well. Mm. And the practice of it can be from the cultural standpoint of it, participating in an event. Um, supporting something, the step that I take about it in my paper is like, no, all of that's true. However, its greatest strength is when you're actually able to create. And through the process of that creation, you're developing all of those things Mm. and getting a deeper understanding of yourself, of the world around you, and developing all of those skills that we're talking about, problem solving, critical thinking, listening, all of those things by sitting down with a beat, making a song in my case. But yeah. if I was Rockefeller, it's getting to the understanding of how, you know, creating movement and defining movement and producing movement. Hip hop as a as a pedagogical practice can end and and you already had dialect on here, um, who also thinks in it very much in the same ways and veins as me, literally doing hip hop, literally doing the elements themselves. Mm by themselves can produce the same type of educational quote unquote value as like us kind of being sort of like passive observers and a step removed from it. So that's kind of what I talk about a little bit in my paper based on the seven years of, of me working with students um, mm. in Columbia high school students with, with Cyphers for Justice. Um, and that's, and that's, and that's, and that's the important thing. And, and again, this is why, the very strength of hip hop is also its weakness because we are, which is kind of like how black people are. It's kind of how we are. We're really inviting. We love, we, you know, we give everybody a pass card, come to the cookout, this, that, and the third. We are very, we are a very loving and forgiving people. And because of that, oftentimes we get tread on. Oftentimes. Right. Kindness we, for weakness. We, kindness for weakness. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, you can say that about women as well, you know, um, specifically right. black women, always down ready to fight, ready to roll. They're usually the ones taking the most advantage of. Hip hop yeah. is kind of similar in that way. We let everybody in. That's true. We let every we let everybody in. And yeah. and that and that's a power to that. That's why I think right. we haven't found something new or different, even though it's 40 some odd years old. Right. Um, but it also means that you have people that understand its power and use it to their ad- advantage. And now we're at a point where, you know, to the undiscerning eye, you can't really tell the difference. Because if mm. it sounds like it, and it kind of moving like, well, that, right. no, that's something else. That's it looks it. like it, but uh, look closer. Right. That's brilliant. <laughs> that's brilliant. This is a great way to look at it. Uh, for those just checking us out, uh, quick uh, quick inter- uh, intermission. Uh, Mikhail Amin, uh, Brooklyn Academy of Music, but so many other things. Fresh Roots still rocking, uh, doing all, all the thi- you know, doing all the things you do. Educator, uh, artist, uh, artist, educator, uh, activist, advocate, all the A's. You got all the A's locked down. Uh, he's with us now. Our first return guest on Hip Hop Can Save America. He was on the first season, as it were, and now we're bringing him back for the live 
The live goes down Monday through Thursday, 1 p.m. Eastern, live on Facebook and uh, Facebook and YouTube, wherever you're seeing me now, basically, and also gets uploaded to the podcast feed. So if you don't got time to sit and look at our pretty faces, it's okay. Subscribe to the podcast, Hip Hop Can Save America, wherever you find podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Stitcher, uh, Joe's Podcast Shock, whatever. Um, we'll be here for the rest of the month doing this, God willing, and then I'll take a long, deep breath and promise to never do this again because it's crazy. Maybe I'll do it again. Never know. Uh, brought to you by, as you can see on the screen, brought to you by Funkadelic Studios, our friends and family at Funkadelic Studios. If you're in New York City, if you're an artist, a musician, a music artist, uh, and you need rehearsal and recording space, and you've been itching to get back to it, Funkadelic Studios got you covered, uh, reopened and safe and secure and disinfected with fancy high-tech gizmos and making sure that you can come back in the mix. So uh, they're a sponsor, uh, always trying to show love to us, and we do it back. You guys have been in Funkadelic Studios once or twice, haven't you, sir? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Right. What up, Don? Yes, indeed. So, oh, shouts yeah. to them. Uh, and also, shouts to everyone on the check-in. Shouts to Cindy. Shouts to Farbion, who agrees Mikel is too old. Uh, <laughs> Farbion. That's all I got for you, Far. Yep, there it is. Shouts to Tom LaRock again on check-in. Uh, shouts to Arissa uh, and everyone checking into this uh, lengthy, brainy conversation uh, about hip-hop, which is how we do. Uh, but that's, that's your why, fault, Manny. You, you, hey, asked me to, you asked me to talk. Once I start talking, you know, you know. Hey, what listen, happens. listen. This is the world's <laughs> smartest hip hop podcast. I can't. We can't just be talking about you know the dumb stuff. Um, with all that said, and I, and you just touched on ciphers for justice, uh, critical thinking, using hip hop to benefit the world. Da, da, da. We've talked about it before. You went into I think detail about some of your work with uh, young people that have been found themselves in less than favorable situ- uh, situations in life. And again, this a lot of this stuff is philosophical and you know not theoretical because we know it works for those who might be listening and say this sounds great that hip-hop can do all these things but i don't know i've never seen it i don't believe it just for the record sir some of the anecdotal evidence or things that you've seen in life that have shown how beneficial hip-hop you know critical pedagogy ways of thinking ways of doing things has just saved lives helped people yeah for sure well i'll say this uh, since 2013, um, starting with Dr. Lee Marie Scalaeo and Dr. Jamila Scott, who are our founding directors, uh, they started a program for high school students that was um, primarily with students that were coming from the Harlem and Bronx area, which kind of morphed into pretty much all over um, New York City. But they decided that there is this there is this particular approach. Um, radical approach to research methods called youth participatory action research. And it, it is a method in a, in, a, in a process. It can be modeled and fashioned in a lot of different ways. Um, so essentially, they wanted to create this program that helped young people take a look at social justice issues that were important to them and basically create research projects, bring in real data, analyze that data, assess it, understand it, and then uh diagnose and, and forecast solutions um, based on that information that they um, collected and analyzed. Mm. What, as, as a, as a uh, award-winning um, and well-known spoken word poet in New York, um, Dr. Jamila LaScott um, is a head. She's a hip hop head. And she wanted the practice of that to be embodied within Cyphers for Justice. Her and I, we, we've known each other, we've been friends for a very long time. Um, we worked together at Urban Word for a very long time. She asked me to come in um, in the very beginning and, and co-teach with her. 
and mm. I was bringing sort of the, the hip hop arts component to it. She was really developing them as researchers along with Dr. Caballero as well. What I've seen personally is young people become motivated and active in creating their own solutions around issues stemming anything from, you know, uh, what happens within schools, um, what is happening within their neighborhoods for gentrification, coming up with real world workable solutions. And part and parcel because of how they were looking at the world and then contextualized it in through the music and the art that they were creating. So there's a couple of young people that I know now that are social workers mm. um, that um, really stepped into the fore of community activism. And yeah, a, a, a role, a, a huge role in that was hip hop and their, their creating of it and their um, desire to be a part of the culture and being in the culture. Um, because for them, that became sort of kind of the standard bearer of, of what it, it is. Um, so I've, I've, I've definitely seen how it can change people from that standpoint. I've seen individuals at conferences that realize that they had to rethink and reimagine exactly, you know, what they were doing, um, mm. in, in terms of a form and function of whatever was going on in their mm. life, whether it's institutionally, whether it's in their community, right. um, to, and that was because of, of hip hop, because of what they were exposed to. Um, you know, through through hip hop culture. So I think what I've personally seen in terms of what hip hop's done for young people is it's allowed them to transform their reality. It's helped them see a different way of being and doing, and that it's it works, that it's mm. possible, um, because they weren't seeing it in their home, they weren't seeing it in their hood. They weren't right. being taught it by their teachers, right. their principal, or their schools, despite what many schools like to tell you and say. Mm. Schools are still factories of maintaining the status quo. Our, our education system, as it stands, that doesn't, that doesn't take anything away from amazing, maverick, bright, radical teachers that sure. are on the front lines and working with young people every single day. But as someone who's been an educator for about 15 years from a family where my father was a Newark City school teacher for 35 plus years, born and raised in Newark. Shouts to I'm, Brick City. I'm in Newark. To the bricks. You know I'm out here. Brick. Um, All right. You know, I, I'm I'm absolutely I'm absolutely for and recognize and realize the power of what teachers can do, but yeah. the structure that they're forced to operate in, yeah. um, conditions that they're forced to operate in. Not even just from a standpoint of like what's going on with COVID. I'm talking about in terms of how curriculum, the testing, et cetera, right. et cetera. That's a whole nother right. podcast. <laughs> right. Maintaining the status quo. It's not doing, let's be, let's be very critical. It's not giving us a new reality. It's giving us more of the same yeah. with like some sprinkles in it or some chocolate chips. But Back you're still the eating the same. Yeah, I mean, I mean. It's and it's and it's it's it, for me it's frustrating because when if you sit down with a young person for more than five minutes, right. they know what time it is. They're like, this ain't right. This makes no sense. This should be this. We need to think about that more. If yeah. you sit, if you if you're if you are in if you are in the if you are in the presence of a young person for longer 
than it takes to, you know, listen to the intro to this podcast. You will realize that many young people are profoundly deep thinkers, um, amazing problem solvers, and have the energy and drive and willingness to do something different. And the people that are responsible to be helping them, what do they give them? Can't do that. Mm. That's not how this works. You need to understand <laughs> the rules of the game. Right. And then we turn around and go, y'all messing it up. No, they're just using the playbook you gave them. Right. Because you 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 kind of just like sucked out of them all of the innovation and the ability. And it's because of the systems we have put them in, whether yeah. it's the education system, yeah. college, high school, whether it's the way jobs work and function. Right. All of these things are just maintaining the same. And we haven't we haven't yet figured that out. We haven't we yet say, figured out how to be brave enough. We say leave it at the door. Leave your creativity, leave your individualism, leave your culture, leave your language, your slang, your talk, your thinking, everything. Leave it at the door. The greatest, the greatest failure in my personal, in my uneducated, you know, unexpert opinion, the greatest failure of 20th century education is that it has completely become devoid of in, ingrained in it the, the ability to develop the skill of critical thinking. We teach them how to test. We teach them rote information. We don't help them develop the ability to think, to look at and take information, analyze it, process it, um, compare it, contrast it, and then use that information to kind of manifest something different. That is, that is fundamentally not what schools do. No matter what, you know, individuals from schools may say the proof is in the pudding the proof yeah. is in the data of what young people they're dealing with yeah the proof is if you if you walk inside of a school especially and specifically i should say let me be clear too mm -hmm. um schools that are under resourced underfunded quote sure. unquote underprivileged right, right. those right. schools which is really at this point this is the other thing people are kind of majority of america right now america is <laughs> right. not rich right you people are rich most of us are working class poor yeah. Period. Yeah. End of story. Um, yeah. The you are not you are not learning how to think. You are learning how to follow rules and orders, mm -hmm. and you are learning base things that you will be a productive member within the construct of what this society currently is. And didn't you say early? Very very it's early. Good, it's failing. Yeah. Well, did you say did you say very early in this show? Uh, that's how it's it's working like it's supposed to. Like it's supposed supposed to Which, it, every, everything is fine and dandy yeah yeah everything well, is fine and dandy just ask so. just ask uh dear leader <laughs> listen oh, Macau, it's been great talking to you man we're running up on time now uh of course we could do this for hours i hope this was uh beneficial to everyone tuned in and, and turned up with us i'm sure it was i know it was there's gems in here uh very quickly on a, a personal artistic note uh, you mentioned you have a song out what are you working on musically? What have you got coming out? You got a paper coming out. Anything we need to yeah. watch out for? Uh, what, yeah, what do you yeah, got? Yeah, absolutely. Do some quick plugs. Um, yeah, yeah. So, yes, 100%. like I said, I'm a pretty good talker. I think I'm a better MC. McCallum, you can check me out. Freshfruitsmusic.com. Um, all of my Instagram and social media handles, McCallum, underscore FRM. 
Right now, I, I produced a song called COVID-16 along with my partner, friend, and brother from Italy, DJ Neo. Um, he asked me to do a song kind of like outlining some of the things that I've been seeing experiencing during the pandemic. Live inside the Petri dish, everything you see is risk 5G is blame your phone. They really need to plead the fifth black man with the mask is still a threat. I haven't seen a shift isolating homes until the date that is unknown. Trump's torn on its own. This is deadly like you breathe it in. Walk around exposed and you and me in different skin. Please don't get too close. I'm really into distancing. This is in the cold it's a virus that we're living in and that's before the covid 50 percent of all of the proceeds when you buy it at Bandcamp, it's name your price so whatever you want um, um to give 50 percent of all of the proceeds is going to be dedicated to a particular grassroots um or uh community organization this month equality for flatbush is going to receive um the donations um from from some of the proceeds from uh, the selling of the song and you can get that at Fresh Roots, Fresh Like Your Groceries, Roots Like Reggae.bandcamp.com. You can see the track there. It's COVID-16. And um, I just yeah, showed I'm, a picture of the trailer. I just showed the, the viewers when you were spitting. Oh, dope. And very, I got that same, uh, I got the same uh, Trinity International Hip Hop Festival shirt. Trinity. Yeah, <laughs> me, me, me and Neo are, are, are forever Nomadic Wax fans. So that's that's all day. And that's then also Spectrums is a, an album that I'm, I'm putting together now. Um, with a production by the lovely uh, Miss Dale Novell. She's pretty dope. Shouts to my wife. I've heard of her. She's pretty dope. She's kind of dope. She's a little dope. She's um, super dope. She is super dope. Let me say for the record. I could do a whole podcast on her. I know me. you could. <laughs> um, uh, Pharrell Kid, um, and then also DJ Neo, and also my fan from Lyon, Amazure Records, um, is, is getting up on this record. So I'm going to be doing that record in the fall, I just have been asked to be on the editorial board for Equity and Excellence in Education, which is a peer re review journal out of uh, UMass Amherst. So look for things for me coming from there in the coming Ooh. year. Uh, what else am I doing? Oh, there there is an unofficial, um, official but unofficial uh, Rabbi Darkside McCallum Mean collaboration. We did a remix of one of his songs, Sacred Spaces. Mm. Uh, Dale Novella actually was the winner, uh, one of the winners of that remix contest. You can check that song out. That's new. That's over there um, at rabbidarkside.com um, or saywordentertainment.com. And uh, yeah, I'm just in these Zoom screens. I can't <laughs> say in these streets because you shouldn't be in these streets. I'm in these Zoom screens. Out in these um, Z streets. Yeah, I'll, I'll actually be doing a performance uh, October 14th um, with the University of California at Riverside, October 14th. Um, oh, I'll have some details up for shout that. Shouts to my Riverside UC fam. Oh, that's yeah, what's man. up. I got other folks they're, over they're there. It. No, you, on the low lows. I'm going to show shouts to show improve. Shouts to uh, everyone down with that movement, man. That's the dope yeah. over there. Yeah. So yeah, you know, just, just check me out on the on the on the Instagram, Mikal Amin underscore F R M or Mikal Amin is real here on Facebook and Twitter. Um, I'll just be updating everybody on what I'm doing creatively and, and, and collectively with everybody and everyone. Like I said in the beginning, you have uh we we wear many hats, you have many feet <laughs> in different <laughs> in different things. Uh it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I always get inspired by uh, first of all, knowing that there's someone who thinks like you do and there's a lot of us out there that we're not alone. <laughs> Thank God. Uh, you know, but also just to hear about all the incredible things you're doing, especially with young people, especially also at BAM. Shouts to Summer, uh, the associate producer, the OG associate producer, Summer McCoy of this podcast. Shouts to the new G associate producer of the podcast, uh, Cindy, who uh, helps with the bookings and helps me out behind the scenes and helps me keep my sanity. And sir, shouts again to you for uh, all you do on behalf of all your people. 
You know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like the the people, the the ancestors, the culture, uh, the young people, and uh, the hip hop heads uh, that look up to you and respect you, and uh, you're in, you're an inspiration. I appreciate it, brother. Thanks for having me. Thank you, brother. You can right. hang out in the back of the room, or you can go about your business. Tell Dale uh, she is super dope, and uh, we'll see you again soon. I hope, God willing, safely, very soon. There it is, my man, my mellow, McCallamine, a good friend, good artist, good person, good academic, good philosopher. He thinks very deeply. So check him out on all the things. Uh, be sure to follow up with all he does. I guess I'll have to have him back a third time because he's always doing something new and interesting and exciting. Uh, again, in the intersection of hip hop and other areas besides just SoundCloud. So, ah, man, I got some talkers the last couple of days. Jesus, Lord. Look. I'm here Monday through Thursday for the month of September, live at 1 p.m. Eastern on whatever thing you're looking at me here. Uh, these will then be transferred to the podcast feed with a special episode drop on Friday. Programming note, I'll probably drop a couple episodes this weekend before we get back to the lives. I don't think so. I, uh, I, owe, uh, I owe a couple of episodes. So I'll get back to that ASAP. Uh, and we'll give you more stuff coming up. So tune in, turn up, share this. I always wait to the end to say it. It's right up here. If you feel so inclined to support this work, it's a lot of work. Believe me, it's a lot of work. And I want to have more associate producers and I want to give them more money. It's not just for me. I want I want us to amplify and explode this a lot more. Uh, so allow me, uh, help me help them. Help me help us. Help me help the mission. Uh, Patreon.com slash Manny Faces. Basically, buy me a cup of coffee every month and it'd be awesome if you did. If you don't, pay it forward. By sharing this, you should have been sharing it all the time we were talking. I'm very disappointed in you. Uh, but if you if you haven't done it by now, do it now. Share it. Uh, follow us. Do all the things. Back tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm going to leave you with two things that I want you to do. Homework for next week. Well, one thing is homework for next week. Uh, next week, I will be having somebody who appeared in this. The Netflix show, The Remix, Hip Hop and fashion. I will be having someone who appeared in this documentary next week on the show. So watch it. If you haven't already, go to Netflix. We all have Netflix. Go check out the remix, Hip Hop and Fashion. Great story about the intersection of hip hop and the fashion industry. Uh, great interviews. Misa Hilton featured prominently. You saw Dapper Dan right there. Do check that out. We'll be on that next week. Someone who appeared in this documentary. Uh, and is at the uh, very forefront of the expert analysis and understanding of hip-hop and fashion on the show next week. And uh, lastly, a good friend has released new music. I want to say shout-out to the mighty homeboy Sandman. New album coming out in October called... Uh, I don't know what the name of the album is. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's Dope Feed the Monster. Produced uh, entirely by Quelle Chris. It's going to be a dope album. It is called Don't Feed the Monster, but the newest song from Homeboy Sandman, Trauma. I got trauma from my mama. She used to beat me down as if she was the brown bomber. I couldn't figure out a way to make her feel calmer. I think about it now, it kind of make me feel somber. I used to think about it, didn't make me feel nothing. Acting like it mattered, didn't make me feel tougher. Feeling tough is really like my number one focus. From growing up in the city, lots of people feel hopeless. And listening to music about sex and violence. Just a matter of time for we was like less trotters. Started having sex when I was 12 years old. I promised a long time ago that anything this man ever does, I will tell people about. And I listened to this, and I'm glad I said that. And uh, 
I will stick to that because it is worthy of your time and your ears. I hope I've been worthy of your time and your ears. My name is Manny Faces. You can find me anywhere on the Googles. Just find me and wherever the hell you want to find me. I'll be back tomorrow. God willing, thank you. I got to go take a nap. I love you. Bye. Peace. Once again, thanks for listening to another episode of Hip Hop Can Save America, a.k.a. the world's most important hip hop podcast. My name is Manny Faces. You can find out more about the show at hiphopcansaveamerica.com. You can watch the show now as a live stream on YouTube, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Check back for all the replays as well. The interviews from the live stream will be brought here onto the audio feed, so you always get the best of the live stream. You can also check out our Substack newsletter. It's free at mannyfaces.substack.com. Filled with stories of hip-hop innovation, inspiration, and in general, hip-hop news that isn't about dumb shit. <laughs> Eternal shouts to our consulting producer, Summer McCoy. Be sure to check out her dope initiatives, Hip-Hop Hacks, and the Mixtape Museum. We'll be back soon with another dope episode, but check us out on the live stream as well. Mondays, 9 p.m. Eastern, hiphopcansaveamerica.com slash watch. Until next time, it's Manny Faces wishing peace and love to you and yours.